Hey, this is Adam Marcus, director of Jason Goes to Hell and the upcoming Secret Santa. And you're listening to Without Your Head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by the creator of Zon, Insidious, Lee Winnell, who's got a new movie coming out, Upgrade. How you doing? I am very good. It's nice to be talking to you, and it's nice to be on the station of Decapitation. Excellent, excellent. It's good to have you. I'm glad you still have your head at the moment. <laughs> well, to talk to me later at the after party for the premiere tonight. I may have lost it. All right, fair enough, fair enough. So for people who aren't familiar with Upgrade, if they haven't seen the trailer, can you give them like a, a brief idea what the movie's about? It's set in the near future, and it's about a, a man named Gray who is out of his time. He, is, he hates computers. He is not a technical person, and he's living in this completely computerized world. And uh, one night, uh, he and his wife are attacked. His wife is killed. He's left a quadriplegic. And he's given the chance to have an operation uh, where a chip is installed in his neck that will cure his paralysis and control his body from the neck down so that he can walk again. And he has the operation. It's successful. And then he finds out the computer (laughs) can do a lot more than just help him walk. And Uh it ends up helping him track down these guys who paralyzed him and um, goes from there. Things go badly. Exactly. When I was watching, I kind of uh, felt it was almost like a reverse Pinocchio, where uh, he becomes a human puppet. (laughs) No, totally. I was thinking of stuff like that. That's what I wanted at the end. Oh, really? Because I always love uh, AI movies and stories in general. And I've said a lot of times on the podcast that uh, I always consider Pinocchio kind of like the first one. Yeah, it is in a way. Like, it is. Wanting to be the real boy. Um, And, and... I think that that puppet aspect that you talked about is something that I was definitely thinking about when I was making this film. Mm -hmm. And uh, the the scenes where he's fighting and stuff, you know, that's really comes uh, into light, like the puppet aspect. How hard were those to film? Um, Well, they were very difficult because we didn't have a huge budget and we didn't have a lot of shooting days and fight scenes and stunt choreography is something that takes time. And when time's not on your side, uh, it can be very stressful on a film set. Mm-hmm. So it was tough to shoot, but we also planned ahead. We overplanned because we knew we wouldn't have much time. And I think that helped us, you know, right in the clutch at the last second, we would be able to pull something out. We were, we were able to refer to a plan. And so I, I, I would call it well-planned chaos, the shooting of those fight scenes. <laughs> You know, it's casting him, uh, Logan, as Gray, uh, that would have to be important because 
uh, unlike a lot of movies, I mean, it's really about he's in every scene. He's, you know, so prominent. Uh, what was it about him yeah. that, that made him right for the character? Well, I'd seen him in a film called The Invitation, which I loved. It was an independent thriller, and I thought he was great in the lead role. And I knew he could handle the emotional stuff, and I knew he was a great actor. What I took a gamble on was the physical aspect of it, because when I met him, I didn't test him out. I wasn't, you know, running him through his paces and making him do push-ups and making him walk around like STEM. I mean, I really took a risk that he would get that right, and it, it was a risk that more than paid off. He was so great with the physical stuff. He could do anything. Uh, that I was asking of him, and he worked his ass off with the stunt guys to get it, to get it exactly right. So I'm so thankful. Yeah. So in those fight scenes, is it mostly is it all him, or is it mostly him? Uh, does he have a stunt it's, double? It's, it's, I'd say it's like 98 percent him. He did. We we only used a stunt man once with him. Even when we were throwing him off the stairwell, it was all him in a rig. <laughs> Um, uh, I remember there was one time we had to use a stuntman because he was being flipped over and, and we couldn't use the real Logan, but yeah, it was, I wanted to point the camera at him and the other actors too. You know, I wanted to see them fight and not use stunt people. So it was pretty amazing to, to watch them train and watch them nail that stuff. Yeah. And going back when you said about, you were trying to go, uh, for a puppet theme, um, what did you mean by that? Because uh, I meant physically, but there's also kind of like we kind of are puppets of technology with always uh, doing everything by our phone yeah, I mean, and the computer. Yeah. I think that it's a metaphor for where we are with technology, like that it controls us. We think it's a phone in our pocket that we check, but really the phone is ruling over us. And, you know, Gray is a puppet. The, the tech is in control of most of his body. And so what he's left with is the realization that he's just a passenger now and that the tech is running things and the tech wants to do things more efficiently and is getting frustrated by his inefficiency. And I, I just loved that. I loved playing with that in the film and exploring that relationship between them. And I always used that puppet phrase on set. Like, you know, I wanted Logan to act like he was being puppeteered by someone else. Mm -hmm. Was there a specific incident that inspired this, or where, where did the, the, the idea come from? Um, it's really just an idea that popped into my head one day. That's usually the way I, I think of ideas, is they just kind of arrive in my head. It's, it's, it's not even uh, being inspired by something I've read or something I've seen. It, they just sort of um, kind of pop into my head at random times when I'm in the shower or eating breakfast or whatever, and... I remember having this image of a quadriplegic being controlled by a computer chip and I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I knew I wanted to, um, to build a story around that image. Mm -hmm. uh, did, do you, um, when you're writing a story about a quadriplegic, do you do any uh, research on uh, real people who, who have that problem? Yeah, I did. I mean, I did a lot of reading about it. And then when Logan was um, preparing for the role, he went and met with a quadriplegic and, um, you know, was having lots of conversations with them, learning about their life. And this uh, guy was very generous with his time with Logan, talking to him about his daily routines and how he went about things. And so we, we definitely combined, you know, every bit of uh, research we could to put into the finished movie because it was important to us that section of the movie where Logan is a quadriplegic is really, was really important to... Uh, myself and Logan, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because it shows, you know, how helpless the guy is. And uh, I was saying he's really anti-technology. Yeah. So to, to give a reason why he would, you know, accept it, uh, you have to have that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's completely reliant on technology at that point. So I thought it was crucial to the to the story. And um, Logan, again, was just had so much integrity about portraying it correctly. And he felt he owed it to this gentleman he had been working with to uh, put it on screen in a realistic way. Mm-hmm. I think he really nailed it because obviously the, the fight scenes are more, uh, you know, visual and stuff. But I think something more quiet like that it might, might even be harder to, to to play yeah it is it's tough you know um i uh i I wanted each stage of the film to be true to itself you know i wanted that stage to be very true to that experience the the toughest stuff is the sci-fi stuff because a lot of it hasn't been invented it's fantasy so how can you be true to something that doesn't exist you just have to take your best guess and play it play it straight i definitely wanted to play this film straight and not not play it as parody you know Mm mm-hmm uh, what was the reason for the name change of the movie from STEM to uh, Upgrade? Um, it was just something that the producers felt, as we were coming up to the release of the film, the producers felt that um, the name just wasn't quite communicating what the movie was to the audience. So, uh, yeah, they changed it to Upgrade, and I really feel like it does speak to what the movie's about, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it, is, was STEM uh, short for STEM cell? No, it, it wasn't at the time. I was alluding to a bunch of things, but STEM, I just thought, was a great name for this computer. You know, it's in his brain STEM, it's in his spinal cord. I, I thought it was something that just sounded good to me and sounded right. That's usually what you're doing when you're coming up with names yeah. in movies. You're trying to go for what sounds right, and that felt right. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, actually, this year's the 50th uh, anniversary of 2001, and uh, obviously Hal is a machine that, that you always hear the voice. So... Uh, how how did you come up with what the the sound of the voice would be for STEM? Um, I I didn't want it to lean too heavily on Hal. Obviously, AI voices in movies have been uh, have been done before, and so you're standing in the shadow of them. And I, I wanted the film to feel relaxed, but I kind of wanted to wanted it to be sociopathic, where the audience would be reading frustration into it rather than hearing frustration. I always used to say to Simon, the actor on set, like do that car navigation system thing where you feel like the car is telling you off but not making the turn, but then you realize you're just reading into it because it's just an automated voice. So he, he really had to walk that, that difficult tightrope of, of being aggressive without sounding aggressive, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. He said a, he was on set, so he's on set doing the voice? Like he's like off camera, I guess? Yeah, he was there the whole time. He was... Um, he was on the set and I wanted their interactions to be live and happening in the moment. And so it was really important to me to get that, get that happening. Yeah. How, how does that work? Is he, is he just like, is he sitting there? Is he dressed up in anything? Or? Well, we had him, we had him around the corner. Um, every set we were in, we had him sort of stashed around the corner in his own little area. And uh-huh. he was looking at a monitor and speaking into a microphone. And then we had an earpiece in Logan's ear so Logan could hear all the dialogue and they could mm-hmm. interact in real time. And, and that was important to me. It was tricky to work out, but yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. So uh, how did the screening go at uh, South by Southwest? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, South by is a perfect festival for it. You know, it's sort of uh, a, a genre geeks festival. So I knew the genre fans would, would get into the film and, but it's also a, a festival that loves smart genre films. You know, they want to see people do something different with, with genre movies, whether it's action, sci-fi or horror. 
and they're really open to things. And uh, I, uh, I was just so excited to be there. I've been there before with a movie, and I, I from being there, I knew that it was right um, for this for this film, and it definitely lived up to that <laughs> expectation. Yeah. So, well, what's that like to watch a movie with an audience? I'm sure you've used to it by now, but uh... Uh, I mean, it can be it can be nerve shredding. It's pretty it's pretty uh, nerve wracking when you first show it to people. And then once you've screened it enough times and you get the rhythm of the movie, it becomes more fun. You're not a surprise, but man, that first screening is a killer. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you said like uh, you didn't want to um, take something from Hal or or other movies, but w- what are some of the movies that uh, that inspired you to become a filmmaker, especially uh, for science fiction? Um, I mean, so many films inspired me. Um, there's uh, Aliens. It was a big one, you know, all that early James Cameron stuff like The Terminator. Um, Jaws was a huge one for me when I was a kid. And then um, when I went to film school, I started watching films, you know, from all over the world, kind of expanded my palette beyond the suburbs, started watching Dario Argento films and Akira Kurosawa films and uh, really investigating the history of cinema. So I, I think it's gone in stages, but... For something like Upgrade, I really wanted to go back to that kind of uh, anarchic spirit of 80s sci-fi where they were just going for it. You know, the CG wasn't allowing them to do whatever they wanted, and that, so they they uh, they really had to be inventive about how they framed the sci-fi, and I was trying to call back to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually live uh, right by where they film Jaws, You're on, the, on Cape. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, you're, you're right there near Martha's Vineyard, are you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, oh, excellent. How, I mean, it's a staple for me. Yeah, it's a nice area. It's very hot at the moment. but uh, So Upgrade's going to be, uh, has, has a theatrical release, uh, I believe this Friday. And so, uh, so it's playing a lot of places. I actually looked it up earlier, and it's uh, playing a lot of places here where I am. So everyone can go out and check it out. Oh, good, uh, good. You can go and see it ten times. There we go, there we go. And uh, how can people follow, uh, follow Upgrade online and yourself online so they can see uh, where it's playing? Um, I think, I'm not sure, I guess Fandango and sites like that, that list, they'll list where it's playing in anybody's era. So I would, area, so I would encourage people to get on Fandango and other ticketing websites. And that's the benefit of the internet. You can just pull out your phone and in two minutes, you'll know exactly what time a movie's playing and what's the closest theater to you. Mm -hmm. And real quick was, uh, it's cool to watch a movie, you know, on video on demand and everything, but when you watch it on the big screen, uh, to me, there's no better way to, to watch a movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just, to me, it's the holy grail. I, I, I still love showing films in theaters. It's so exciting. The novelty of it never wears off, and it's it's really, really, really fun. And that's what I'm always striving for. You know, I'm never striving to see a film come out on VOD. I, I don't have a problem with it. I watch a lot of films at home through iTunes or Netflix, but as a filmmaker, you just can't beat the feeling of a packed theater. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate uh, talking to you today. All right. Thank you, mate. Uh, have a great one. And uh, I appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah.